for uh, just being good to us, Lord. I thank you for uh, just your church and, uh, Lord, just being able to be a part of uh, somebody who's serious about your mission. Uh, Lord, I really do thank you for uh, our pastor and just his vision for uh, just taking care of the flock and also getting the word where it needs to go on time and and just being able to uh, balance that all out with uh, just being busy about your business. And so, uh, Lord, I also just praise you for the Passpoint class and just uh, the way that uh, you are just uh, building uh, your church and your class. And, uh, Lord, we really have nothing to do with it. But, uh, Lord, I do praise you for it. I praise you for the, the fellowship that uh, happens here and just being able to hang out with uh, friends. Uh, really, we're, we're like family, Lord. And, uh, Lord, I pray you just continue to uh, just uh, get your word where it needs to go uh, to continue to... Uh, just use uh, me as a vessel to get the the word of God where uh, the, the the word of God out, and so uh, Lord, I pray you just uh, speak to us this morning as we get back into the book of Joshua and. Uh, just some things that uh, you were just kind of quietly revealing to us in uh, Joshua chapter 5. And so I pray that uh, these would not just be uh, things, but just kind of uh, learning how uh, you uh, download information to us sometimes, Lord. And so I also pray for uh, Nick this morning, Lord, as we know he's in a lot of pain. Um, Lord, we do pray that you would just uh, help ease that, uh, be with Kendra. Uh, she just tends to his needs and uh, with the girls at home and uh, Brendan. And I pray you just heal him up uh, get him back on track. We praise you for the, the report on his shoulder and things going well there. Uh, Lord, we, uh, we pray for the just the upcoming time that we're going to be spending with family with the holidays coming up that we would just uh, be light uh, to sometimes uh, a dark world and that you would just uh, use us to, to, to speak truth. And uh, pray for all the different events we have coming up and the Christmas service and all the things. Uh, Lord, I pray that the things point to you. Uh, and that you're getting the honor and the glory uh, for all the things that happen. And also pray for uh, Joe and Amy Hendricksman, Lord, as uh, they're separated right now. I pray that you would just uh, uh, make a way for her to make it home uh, and that... Uh that that would be uh, resolved. Uh, Lord, pray, praise you for the, the Oaxaca team that went and uh, really just served, uh, Lord, and they were just there uh, to be a blessing. And so I do pray that uh, there's fruit there that remains uh, from all those things, Lord. So I pray you to speak to us today in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so if you've got your Bibles, open up to Joshua chapter 5. And so we, uh, we started last week in Joshua 5, uh, and I am planning on uh, finishing this chapter today. Uh, and then, so I kind of gave you guys last week a little rundown of how the next several weeks are going to go. So uh, I'm going to finish Joshua 5 today, um, next week, since it's, you know, the spirit of the week before Christmas. I'll probably uh, try to uh, do something a little Christmassy, you know, and, you know, just focusing on, you know, the birth of Christ and why we, um, why we celebrate things the way that we do. And so anyway, we'll do that next week um, as uh, I try to get my mind wrapped around the fact that... Uh, Christmas is almost here, and I haven't even started shopping, so you know how that goes. Uh, so, you know, nothing like waiting until the end. Uh, but then also, the following week, we'll do our Passpoint Christmas thing, uh, and then that'll bring us into the new year. We'll typically, we usually do some sort of kind of new year focus, kind of get our minds, you know, wrapped around just the fact that it's now 2022, and, and then so it may be, uh, you know, towards the middle of January before we get into Joshua chapter 6, what I'm really looking forward to with, you know, the siege of Jericho and whatnot, but anyway, that's kind of a rundown of how things are going to go coming up, but today we're in Joshua chapter 5, and so the, the nation of Israel has just, uh, you know, spent 40 years in the wilderness, uh, God finally... Uh, 
says, okay, now it's time to go. Moses has died. Joshua is now the leader. Uh, and so he's like, Joshua, it's time to go. And so they finally crossed Jordan. We just talked about, we, we spent several weeks looking into how that all went down and how he parted the Jordan River, right? He didn't really part it. He just stopped it, right? And so there's no water on the downhill side because it all ran out. But he stops the, the wall of water. They cross the Jordan River, which is an amazing thing in its own because it's not like this took 10 minutes. This may have taken days, right? And for all these people to be able to cross. And so they get across uh, and they build, you know, the altar of the stones. And it's God's way of saying, you know, you need to remember what I've done in your life. And we've talked about all those things, right? And so that leads us into Joshua chapter 5. They are now in the promised land. Like, we've talked a lot about getting there. We've talked about a lot about how we got there, how we actually crossed. And now we're there. And you would think that it would be like, Yes, charge, right? We are in the plains of Jericho. We can see Jericho off in, in, our, in, the, in the distance. Like, let's go, right? That's what the kids say now. I don't know how many times my kids say that all the time. Let's go. Like, they're all excited about something. I'm like, where are we going, right? And, but, like, they're ready to charge, right? They're ready to, to get after it. And then you roll into chapter 5, and God's like, hold the phone for a minute, right? we got a couple things we need to take care of. Just real quick, we got a couple things we need to talk about. And so that was kind of um, what we had. And so uh, Joshua chapter 5, I had three questions. It was pretty simple, right? Three questions answered in Joshua chapter 5. And that's what we, we, we started talking about last week. And so... Um, did I did I record? Yeah, I recorded last week. So if you if you need to catch last week, go back and get it. But I'm just going to read the first part of it. I don't have time to go back over uh, the, what we talked about last week, and then we're going to uh, keep moving forward from there because I don't have a lot of time and I want to get wrapped up today. But in Joshua chapter five, they just get into the promised land. They're ready to go. And in verse one, it says, "And it came to pass." When all the kings of the Amorites, uh, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites that were by uh, by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel, uh, until we were passed over, that their heart melted. Neither was there any spirit in them anymore, because of the children of Israel. The people were terrified. Like, like these people's God just like walled up the water so they could come across. What in the world are we going to do to stop them? The people were terrified. And at that time, or at that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, "Make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time." Like, this is what we're going to do right now, God? Like this? And so, uh, and Joshua made him sharp knives. Like God tells him to do something, he does it. Like how many times in the book of Joshua does this happen? Do this, I do it, and then there's blessing every time. Here's the instruction. It's like child training 101. Here's the instruction. Are you going to obey or disobey? Oh, okay, you obeyed. Now here's the blessing, right? Over and over and over again in the book of Joshua, that's what we see. And it says, And, uh, and, uh, and Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. Uh, and this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise. All the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men uh, of war, died in the wilderness, by the way, after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that were come out were circumcised. But all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them ha- uh, they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel uh, walked 40 years in the wilderness. So all the people that were uh, men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed, because uh, they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, unto whom the Lord swore that he would not show them uh, the land which the Lord swore unto their fathers. And he would give us a land that with milk and honey. And their children, whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uh, uncircumcised because uh, they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising... when they had done circumcising all the people, that they abode in their places in the camp until they were whole. Like, it's going they, they gotta heal up, okay? Um, and uh, the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. Wherefore, the name of this place is called Gilgal unto this day. And so, like, just a real quick recap of last week, because I don't have time to recap it. We spent a lot of time talking about why they did this, because 
basically all the uh, men of war had to die before they could get into the wilderness because they obeyed not the Lord, right? God said, hey, I want you to go. They sent 10 spies, uh, 12 spies, 10 of them come back and they're like, we don't want to go. We're terrified of these people. Only Joshua and Caleb were like, no, we should go. Well, majority ruled. They didn't go. And God's like, okay, your punishment is you're going to spend 40 years in the wilderness until all of you uh, that are 20 years old and older live your life and die. And when all of those people save Joshua, like live your life and die, then like you'll go. And so that's where we get to this point. So now they've all, anybody that was 20 or younger or that was born after that, they hadn't been circumcised. They hadn't followed the Lord uh, in what he had told Abraham to do back in Genesis. Okay. So that's why this had to happen. Now we spent a long time last week talking about what exactly the circumcision thing is, right? Because sometimes it's like, yeah, I think I know what it is. So go back and listen to that because I spent uh, an extensive amount of time trying to really make sense of the whole thing because like it's easy to say yeah I know why that happens but go back and listen uh, because maybe you don't know what you thought you knew um, and so I don't want to go back and reheat it but there's some really good stuff in there uh, about what God is trying to picture through that whole thing okay and so that gets us to this point so that was the first thing that, that God showed or revealed to us or whatever the title was I can't remember uh, to to us in Joshua chapter 5 okay so then let's pick up in, in verse 10 and here's the second thing that, that God is going to show you in, in Joshua chapter 5 and it says and the children of Israel encamped and and kept the Passover uh, on the 14th day of the month at, uh, at even in the plains of Jericho. Now this is important. This is the first time that they kept the Passover once they were in God's promised land. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover. Unleavened cakes and parched corn in the self same day. Verse 12, And manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna any more. But they did eat of the fruit of the land in Canaan that year. Now, most people read over that and like, it's no big deal. You have to remember that the only thing that these people had eaten for 40 plus years is manna, right? Well, what exactly is manna? Like, somebody tell me what manna is. You read it and it's like, what is it? Somebody tell me what you think it is. Unleavened bread. They say it's like, it's kind of like snow almost. Like, I don't know exactly how it works, but anyway, it's like, so... My daughter tried to put me to task this week because she's got a Bible class in her school, and she's like, "Dad, what's manna?" Right? And I'm like, "Well, it's manna. Like, you know what it is." And like, she's, you know, trying to play it cool. She's like, "Well, what does manna mean?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know. You tell me what's manna mean." And so, anyway, uh, so uh, explain to them exactly what manna even means, because you well, so take. I'm not like looked it up in the scriptures to confirm that that is in fact true. Uh, this is a, seems to be a pretty sound Bible class, so I've just taken the teacher's word for it for now. But manna literally means, what is it? Mm-hmm. So like, because manna is falling from the sky and they're all gathering it up. And so they're probably, the teacher was like, can you imagine? They're running around teaching, what is it? What is it? <laughs> manna, manna. So anyway, that's what manna is. And so that's what they ate for 40 plus years. Now, like, I'm... I've kind of always been known, you can ask my mother-in-law about this, of a kind of picky person. Like, I've learned to eat a lot of things in my life. Uh, I really I really have. Like, when I was younger, though, there was only certain things. Like, when I find something I like, I'm like, that's what I get. Like, it, no matter where I go to eat, like, like, I have something I like, and I get it the same thing every time. It's like, why would you deviate from that? That's just me. But, like, the same thing for 40 years. Like, I like Chipotle a lot. Uh, I like, you know, barbecue a lot. I like, there are a lot of things I like a lot. But anything for 40 years in a row might get old, you know, and it's just the way that it is. And so, well, I mean, if they just buy their beef from, I'm just, I like the food. (laughs) It is what it is. I like Starbucks coffee, too. I don't like what they stand for, but I like the coffee. So anyway, 
it, it is what it is. So the point is, like anything for forty years is a lot, and so but that this is what they've done, and so very quietly God reveals something to you that most people read right over. He's like, this they all of a sudden man is gone, like it's done. And we don't really know why. We just read that, oh, they ate of the old corn of the land. Okay, it's no big deal. And so why did God stop providing manna? That's that's the what he's trying to reveal. And so to simply ask the, answer the question is because he gave them the ability to find and make food on their own, right? He, he gave them the ability to do this. And so it's kind of like, you know, God gives you the ability to, you know, it's not very often that like a cheeseburger just shows up on my doorstep. You know, I know they've got these apps now, but I live out in the middle of nowhere. So it's not like food just shows up on the doorstep. Like I have to go and I have to work and then I'm able to buy, right? Or I have to be able to, to do something to get it. Or, you know, even if I just go, I have to go somewhere to get it. And so you have the ability, you have to use your physical ability uh, to provide for ourselves, you know? And he also gives you the circumstances to be able to use those abilities. Like I can be really good at, um, whatever it is that I do, but, you know, if there's not circumstances, you know, I can be really good at building houses, but if the housing market crashes and, like, nobody needs anything built, it's like, well, I've got an ability, but there's no circumstance for me to be able to do it. You know, so it's it's all on God at the end of the day. Like, you can have an ability, and it's a God-given ability, but you also have to have God's circumstances to allow you to do it. And this kind of all comes together with them. The first time manna is mentioned, and here's, it's kind of teachy today, but it is what it is in some verses, but in Exodus 16, 35, you don't have to turn there, I'll read it to you. And the children of Israel did eat manna 40 years until they came to the land inhabited. Uh, they did eat manna until they came into the borders of the land of Canaan. Right? And so manna just showed up one day. Like God had to provide food for them. It is what it is. Now God will provide a way for you to feed yourself. Sometimes you got to go to work. Right? That's just the way that it is. Sometimes you got to do that. Uh, and so the next question, right, because I'm trying to answer these questions, God is revealing that no longer manna, but what, so manna stopped, but it talks about the old corn. So what is, what is the old corn or the parched corn that it talks about in this, in this verse, right? Because I actually had to study some of this out, because it's like I had some of the things that I thought I knew, I wanted to make sure that, you know, you can think a lot of things, but then when all of a sudden you're gonna set up, stand up in front of like, some Bible students and tell them this is what it means like it's really awkward when they come up and tell you hey what you just said was wrong so it's like I need to make sure that what I'm speaking is truth and so like you got to go back through and make sure that what I'm saying is right so what is the old corn or the the parched corn so the old corn uh, is so I kind of got this out of a commentary not just because it's a commentary but it was on Esword and it kind of made some sense to me so the people would find uh, abundance of old corn in the deserted granaries of the frightened inhabitants of the land. So these people just crossed over the Jordan River with no problem at all. Like, if I've got a farm in the plains of Jericho, I'm probably going to, like, uh, we're going to go see, you know, my brother that lives on the other side of the land for a few days just to make sure that, like, I'm not the first people that these guys kill, right? And so they deserted. Like, people in the land, they just desert, deserted everything. And so, like, they were able to eat of uh, the abundance of corn that was left in the granaries, right? And the barley harvest was at the time of the year that they crossed, uh, like, it was time of the barley. So they're eating of the fruit of the land and, and after offering the, the sheaf of the first fruits. Uh, they ate also new parched corn and thus manna being no longer necessary ceased after having been sent to them regularly for almost 40 years. So basically what God did was instead of providing a cheeseburger on the doorstep, he said, here's all the ingredients to make a cheeseburger. What are you going to do with it? Right? At some point, like the the handout has to turn into what are you going to do with it? Right? At some point, the 
this is what the Bible says has to turn into you saying, I wonder what the Bible says, and I'm going to learn it for myself, right? It's good to come and say, hey, what does this mean? Be able to go to somebody that you trust and say, hey, what does this mean? Hey, what does this mean? But at some point, you have to be able to say, I want to learn what this means and, and learn it on your own. At some point, you have to start to, to kind of grow up. Deuteronomy 6, verse 10 and 11, points to this coming, and we didn't even know it. It says, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swore unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, uh, to give thee a great land and goodly cities, which thou buildest not, and vineyards, or, I'm sorry, uh, which thou buildest not, and houses full of good things, which thou fillest not, and wells dig, which thou diggest not, and vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and been full. God said this was going to happen. Hey, I'm going to let you have the land, and all the stuff's already there. The wells are there. The cities are there. The vineyards are there. It's your land, right? And so he's like, hey, I'm going to provide for you when you get there. And you don't have to do any of the work. You just have to sustain it once you get there. Deuteronomy says this is going to happen. In John chapter 4, verse 38, Jesus says the same thing. He says, I sent you to reap that uh, whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and you entered into their labors. Right? God says, hey, I'm going to provide for you. Just my provision is going to look a little different. It's not going to like, you know, rain burritos from heaven anymore. You're going to have to go out and you're going to have to build it. Right? You're going to have to put it together. That's the way that it works. That's the way spiritual growth works. You know, it's good as a young Christian to have somebody kind of spoon feed you. That's that's what discipleship is. That's what you know being young in the Lord is. But at some point, you're going to have to be able to take those ingredients and like. Here's a good example. So uh, you all know that uh, Paige and I have discipled several people throughout the years, and so uh, you know one of them. Uh, so let's use Brady and Holly as an example, okay? Because it's been several years since we discipled them. Like at some point, they had to learn to, after you know walking through discipleship, to learn to do some of that on their own. Because if they were just to continue to come back and say, "Well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this?" Then all of our time is invested right there. And instead, then we wouldn't have been able to disciple, you know, the Pews and now the Lavernes. And, you know, at some point you have to be able to grow and you, you have to learn to do it on your own so that we can continue to do it somewhere else. And then you can continue to do it somewhere else. And that's what multiplication is, right? That's how this thing works. We see that historically God caused manna to cease because he brought them into land where food was simply provided for them a different way. But inspirationally, God's trying to show us something bigger here, right? It's not just that, hey, we, uh, hey, Chris, will you pull that down? Uh, it's not just that God was like, hey, um, I'm going to provide food in a different way. He's trying to, obviously, everything in the Bible is there for a purpose. He's trying to teach you something no matter what. And so inspirationally, let's look at this in a different way. It's like as a parent, like, Paige and I have three teenage kids now. Oh my gosh. I have one that turned 18 a week ago, right? And, and he's acting 18, right? And so it is what it is. But, you know, uh, we got three teenage kids. And so you invest a lot into your kids, right? And you do. But, like, there might become a time when, you know, you know, they're in their mid-twenties. It's like, okay, it, it might be time for, you know, the manna here to stop and you, you figure this thing out on your own. You know, and usually it doesn't come to that point, but, you know, you can invest and you can invest and you can invest, but at some point they have to grow up and be able to do it on their own. Does that make sense? It's the same thing. Um, what about as a discipler? Like, I, I want to invest everything. I, when we're discipling somebody, I want to invest everything I have into these people. Like, I really do. I, I try to give them everything that I've got in, in this gravy matter that I've got up here because God has showed me some things over the year and I want to give everything I can just life circumstances and in everything but at some point I want you to be able to take the word that I've been giving to you and I want you to be able to 
to learn it on your own, right? I want you to be able to be like, okay, I understand what he's saying now, and I want, I want to read it on my own. I want to study it on my own. I want to be able to learn on my own. It's the same thing. At some point, the manna, like the free, it has to stop. And, and it's not like God's still not going to provide for you. He's just going to provide in a different way. As you grow, that's what happens, right? That's just the way that it works. It's the same thing. You know, it's, it, as a babe in Christ... You don't know a lot. But as you grow into a man of God, you learn it on your own. You learn to, you know, I'm not going to spend all my time just right here in the Gospels where it's real easy to read, but I want to learn what, you know, some of these prophecy books say. And I want to learn what some of this deeper stuff is that, you know, that's why you can read the Bible over and over again and get something different out of it every time because as you grow, God shows you different things. God will never leave you without. Like, that's the first thing you need to know. God's never going to leave you. He didn't say, the man is gone, figure it out, y'all. No, he's not going to leave you without. Uh, but at some point, you need to learn how to use what's been given to you to not only provide for yourself, but also to feed others. Like, that's the biggest thing to understand here is like, at some point, you have to not only learn how to feed yourself, but like, at some point, you're going to have a family, or at least usually. At some point, you're going to need to feed somebody else. Like, it, it was pretty easy, like, as, as a young man to be like, okay, I, I think I can do this on my own, right? But you know, all of a sudden you might have like a wife now or kids now. And it's like, okay, now it's not just me. And there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. At some point in the Word of God, you have to learn how to not just be a child or worse yet, because I think being a child in Christ is much better than being a teenager in Christ. Because the same thing happens with teens in Christ. Like they know just enough to get themselves in trouble and they think they've got it all figured out, Right? And like y'all kind of probably know what I'm talking about. It's one thing to be a babe in Christ and not really know. Like, hey, don't touch the stove. It's hot. Like, it will burn you. Okay, but as a, as a quote-unquote teen in Christ, now all of a sudden, like, you think you've got it figured out, but really you don't know nothing. And all you're doing is making a fool of yourself and the ministry. And so at some point you have to learn, like, I want to be able to provide for others. And that's going to take work. Like, that's the thing you have to try to instill in teens is it's not just providing for yourself, but it's being able to provide for others. Right, and so that's that's what makes the world happen, and so at some point you have to get there. And God couldn't just continue to provide manna forever, so what's He do? He gives them circumstances. He gives them the ability to go and do it on their own. Right? It was still all God. God still provided everything, but at the end of the day, they had to do something for it. No different than as a as as a grown man in Christ, the Word of God is still all God. You just have to work a little harder for it, right? And and get it like when to to understand the prophecy book, you got to work a little harder for it. But you know the meal is so much better when you get it. Does that make sense? Okay. So, and then the last thing I want to show you, and I'm going to read this pretty quickly. Um, I've got some several verses. I don't know if I'm going to get to them all, but I want to get done here. So, so they get there, they circumcise the people, they observe the first Passover. God, uh, manna is gone. Right. Most people just read right over that. And then you get to verse 13. It says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? So everybody else in the camp is back in the camp. They're healing up from you know their circumcision, right? Uh, and I'm sure the ladies are taking care of the guys. However that works. So Joshua, he's off scoping out the land, right? I'm going to go check out Jericho. I'm guessing this is the first place we're going here. Uh, I'm, I'm the leader of the pack. You know, I need to make sure as a, as a military general, I kind of see what's happening. So he goes to check out Jericho, and this, this happens. And he said, he comes across this guy with his sword drawn, right? And in verse 14, it says, And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, I am now come. Am I now come? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth. 
and did worship, and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. And so just a few things that God reveals to us right here, and I want to get done because the very last thing that I kind of saw for the first time here in the last couple of weeks is really cool, and I want to get to it. But uh, he, uh, who is the captain of the Lord's host? Who is this? You know, it's the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. That's basically what it is. And so how do we know that? Because there's even been times in my life I'm like, I think that's what it is, but here again, I'm standing up here. There's Bible students. I don't want anybody to be like, not only I think this is Gabriel, dude. I'm like, well, maybe you're right. Like, No, that's not the case. And so I want to make sure. And so uh, when we study the Bible and we come across something that we don't know for sure what it means, we need to do what, D2 students? we got to compare Scripture with Scripture, right? We use some of the phrases that the Word of God uses, and we say, okay, where else is this in the Bible to figure this out to help us understand better? So just a few phrases. So this phrase, it says that it stood a man, right? And so I don't have time to read all these to you, but in Genesis 18, 1-3, the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre and said of the tent door, and he did there, and he looked up in his eyes and looked, and lo, there three men stood by him. When he saw them there, he ran to meet them at the tent door and bowed himself towards the ground and said, My Lord, if I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away. Right? These people come and he knows immediately. Like, this is the Lord. He's here, manifest in the flesh. Right? In Genesis 32, this is a story about uh, Jacob, right? And it says that basically he wrestled with God. And you'll have to go get these. I'll read, I'll read you the references. you have to go get these on your, uh, read them on your own. Genesis 32, 24 to 30. It says, Jacob was left alone, and they wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Well, if you get towards the end of it, uh, in verse 29, it says, Jacob asked him, Tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, Where, uh, is that, Why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there, and Jacob called the name of the place uh, Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. Right? These, these, he's seen God face to face. He talks about a man. In Judges 13, there's the story of Manoah and her husband and the man of God, right? The man. And we find out that it was the Lord that was there. It's Judges 13, verses 8 to 22, if you want to write the reference down. I don't have time to read it. Um, Revelation 1, 3 says, And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment, down to the foot, and girded about with paps with a golden girdle. Right? If you don't know exactly what you're reading, sometimes you've got to compare what does the phrase say and you know all of those point straight to who? The Lord Jesus Christ, pre-incarnate and post-incarnate, right? Also, the phrase with his sword drawn in Numbers twenty-two, uh, you get the uh, the story of Balaam uh, and Balaam's ass, right? And there's this, the the uh, this really good story. Uh, Numbers twenty-two, twenty-two to thirty-one talks about how basically Balaam's donkey, right, uh, can see the. The pre-incarnate Lord standing in the way with his sword drawn, right? And Balaam's like smacking this thing. I like, go, what are we waiting on? And finally, like lays down underneath him. And he's like, I'm not, if I wish I had a sword. I'd have cut your head off. And then all of a sudden, the donkey's like, hey, uh, why don't you look and see what's in front of us? And you read for like three verses that the guy's having a conversation with his donkey before he realizes he's even talking to his donkey, right? And then he's like, wait a minute. Like, this isn't Shrek, so this is weird. And then all of a sudden, he opens his eyes and like... Oh my gosh, uh, that there's the Lord standing there. And so sometimes you have to understand it's a really good story. I don't have time to read it, but um, in First Chronicles 21, it talks about uh, David with uh, the angel of the Lord, right? Having a sword drawn when he's uh, basically facing punishment for uh, his sin of numbering the people. Right, and he tries to uh, basically say, "Well, why don't you punish me and not all the people?" And he's like, "Well, you're the leader of the people, and this is how it goes." Right? There's a lot of things there. 
Uh, and then one other phrase, and I'm trying to move quickly because obviously we can see by these phrases that he's pointing towards something, right? But uh, this is a really good way. It says he fell on his face, right? Well, anytime we fall on our face, it's to do what? It's to worship. Right? It says he fell on his face and worshipped. Genesis 17, 1-3, And when Abraham was 99, and the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. I will make my covenant between me and thee and multiply thee, uh, thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and talked with him, saying, right, he just goes on, right? He falls on his face to worship. In Luke 5.12, it says, And it came to pass when he was in a certain city, before, Behold, a man full of leprosy, see, who seeing Jesus, fell on his face and beside him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, can they make the, uh, canst thou make me clean? Right? It, just over and over again, if you fall on your face, like Joshua, he was, he was God's dude. Like He was the leader of the pack. He's not going to fall on his face just for anybody. Right? And the last reference I have is Revelation 19.10, and, and I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See that thou, uh, that thou do it not. I am not thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren uh, that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Right? You're only going to fall on your face before certain people. Right? And, and it's not you know the president, and it's not Buddha, and it's not you know anybody else. It's you know it's the Lord. It's only very very seldom are you going to fall on your face. And so, and so here's the last thing, kind of to kind of prove this whole point out that I've never really saw it before because we read our Bible in chapters, right? We read it as you know I'm going to read this chapter and I'm going to read this chapter. But you have to understand your Bible the first time it was written when it was when it was written down it was, there were no chapter breaks there were no verse breaks, and so if you read this a little differently. So he says he comes into the plains of Jericho. He comes across a man with his sword drawn. Right? He says, are you for me or against me? He says, I'm here as a captain of the Lord's host. Right? And he falls on his face. He worships. In uh, verse 15, the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, loose thy, foot from off thy, er, <laughs> loose thy shoe from off thy foot for the place where on the stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Well, if you don't stop because the Bible was written linearly, it immediately goes right on to tell you who it was. Now, verse 1 just tells you the state of Jericho. It says that how Jericho was straightly shut up because the children of Israel, none went out and none came in. But remember, this was all written linear. What's it say in verse 2? And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thy hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. He's there scoping out Jericho. And the Lord, pre-incarnate Christ, says, See, here's, here it is. You can have it. Right? And then he downloads the, the crazy plan. Like Joshua's out there, everybody's healing from their circumcision, he's scoping out how are we going to get this thing done. He comes across the pre incarnate Christ standing there, right? And and he's like, Okay, here's how we're gonna do it. Like, okay, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna charge the city? He's like, No, we're gonna walk around it, right? And we'll get into all that. But like sometimes the Bible answers itself for us, just our linear minds of the way that we read things kind of muddies it all up. Well, that's a different chapter. It doesn't... Well, you have to remember, like they didn't just decide, okay, we're going to put a pause in here for chapter 6, right? Now, you can go upon your life and, you know, next week when you get back to the Bible, you know, it's a completely different chapter. Well, it's a different kind of story, but it's the same thing. The Lord Himself who's standing in front of Him says, see, I have given you Jericho, right? And here's how we're going to get it. And so that's just kind of... Sometimes I, I don't see... Sometimes you just can't see the forest from the trees. Like you get so like entangled in like the right here that you don't see the bigger picture. And God's like trying to show you the bigger picture right here. Like the Lord's telling you this is how we're going to do it. And so with that, I think it's just kind of cool. Those are three things that in chapter five God just kind of downloads to us that a lot of times people just kind of skip over. And so with that, let's pray, um, and we'll get back into Joshua here in, in a few weeks. But um,
yeah. So, Father, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. It really is full. Um, Lord, you're going to study it for years, and you're still going to download new things to us. And so uh, I pray that you would just uh, allow us to, you know, maybe grow up um, a little bit in the word and uh, learn how to feed ourselves. And it, it's okay to have a time in life where we need somebody to help us out, but uh, at some point we need to be the helper, and we need to be the one that's, that's helping the next person. And so I do pray that you would continue to give us the circumstances to grow in the Lord, to grow in your word, uh, and that you would just... Uh, get the honor and the glory for it. I pray you send this out this week as uh, lights in a pretty dark world at times, that you would just get the honor and the glory from our lives. I pray for uh, Pastor Brian as he preaches today. Uh, I pray for the uh, the baptism that's upcoming and just the, the testimony of, of new life and that. And so I pray you just uh, use us this week in Christ's name. Amen.